Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of Wisdom of Friends, and I'm your host, Cal Ross. Today, I'm really excited to be introducing you to a good friend of mine. Her name is Sylvie DiGiusto. People packaging is what I do, says Sylvie DiGiusto, who helps individuals and organizations to explore how people make up their minds very quickly about them, their leadership potential, or their company, and either open the door or slam it shut. 20 years of corporate experience and their ability to empower people to influence the success of her own career has led her to launch Executive Image Consulting based in New York City. She's also the author of the Image of Leadership book and the co-owner of the studio for Image Professionals and the creator of How You Impress. Friends, this is a really a fascinating and enriching conversation where we talk about the impact of first impressions and how to hone these skills so that it has a positive impact on our relationships and our leadership domain. So friends, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Sylvie DiGiusto. Good morning, uh, Sylvie. Uh, welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. Uh, I'm really excited that you took the time to be on this program. The first I heard about you was from my colleagues here at the NSA Pacific Northwest chapter. And, uh, you know, having uh, researched your background and it was just fascinating what you've accomplished in your career and your life and your really your message of uh, what you do with image consulting for executives and leaders around the globe. It is really uh uh, incredible and having you on the show I know would be a treat for my audience so again thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show oh thank you very much for having me I'm so excited and flattered and honored to be with you and all your friends out there great uh, Sylvie one of the ways uh, we uh, kick off our show is by asking our guest a simple yet profound question and that is what is your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by and how have you applied it to your life well, so the real answer to that is I don't have one that I uh, live by my entire life. I have several ones, and I have them here in my office so that I have them visible in front of me every single day. And those are uh, things that have become relevant for me in my business, and usually I learned them somehow in a business environment, but also for my life. And uh, some of them are from people you and I and many out there know because they are actually from the speaking scene. I remember the day when I met Jeffrey Hazlett and he said to me, don't be cheap, be the best. And that had such such an impact on how till today I structure my business and uh, everything in my life. Well, next week there is a train thing from Scott McCain, another very uh, famous speaker, I hope you know, who said, don't miss the good stuff. The good stuff in life, or Shep Hiken next to it to be amazing always. So, you see, I have plenty, plenty of reminders here in my office where I sit here in New York City from colleagues that you and I know that very often when I go to conferences or meetings, 
while 99% is just education and training and there is always something to learn. Somebody says something to you on stage where you think just, wow, that has such an impact on me right now in my life and uh, in the current situation I am in. That is so great. I, I like what you just shared about, you know, don't be cheap, uh, really, uh, you know, be your best. And it reminds me of uh, a question that was asked of Steve Martin, the famous actor and comedian, uh, that, you know, what, what was his secret? And and he said something on similar lines that be so good that they cannot ignore you. And, uh, exactly. Uh, that is so great. And uh, so, Sylvie, just for the benefit of the audience, uh, you know, you are a corporate image consultant. You're also an, mm-hmm. inca- an author of the Image of Leadership and then the co-owner of the studio for Image Professionals and uh, the creator of How You Impress. And before we get into that, uh, what I'm curious about, Sylvie, is a little bit about uh, how this all started, uh, this journey mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. let's uh, let's take a walk down the memory lane. And let me ask you mm-hmm. this. Uh, what did your parents do and how did that shape your life? In other words, where did you grow up and how would you describe mm-hmm. your childhood? <laughs> so um, the accents that you have to handle the next 40 minutes or so, you hear a Spanish grandmother, an Italian grandfather, a French father, and an Austrian mother. And that should tell you something about the family I grew up. Um, it was very multicultural. Uh, my my heart is still French in the south of France, where my grandfather and my father lived, and I spent uh, half of my childhood. But the fascinating thing for me is always my brother told me, though I have a 10-year-old brother who is my hero, and he told me that around when I was five years old, people started asking me and other little children, so what do you want to be when you are grown up, right? And many of the other children in school or kindergarten always said things like, I want to be a teacher, or I want to become a doctor, or I want to be a firefighter. And when people asked me, what do you want to be when you are grown up? I said... I want to be an American. Mm. So that was, uh, he remembers that with, with five, I started talking about America and I have actually never been here, but somehow I always felt connected to this country. And basically my, I remember my entire teenage age and then later on, I, I think I applied in hundreds of colleges, universities, companies. Uh, for interns, I applied for visa, I applied for green cards. I would make jokes and say I dated basically every American who crossed uh, Europe, hoping that <laughs> I had somehow the chance to come over here. And it never, 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 never worked out. Unfortunately, it never worked out. But it always has been my dream. I felt so connected to this country, to this culture, to the people here, although I never really met them. And so I have to, very often, like it happens in life, right? Uh, in the meantime, I, I started a corporate career. I was in uh, human resources training and development, management development, leadership development. And um, after, um, yeah, when I turned 36, and I basically have given up that dream, as always, when you give up dreams, sometimes things show up around the corner. And it was actually the day my daughter was born, I was in the hospital. I just had four minutes before that delivered my first baby, uh, my princess, and my husband enters the room. And the first thing he says to me is, I have a job offer in America. 
And I was sitting there with a newborn, right? She was just four minutes old. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, uh, okay, let's go, right? <laughs> and then um, nine days later, nine days later, I was on a plane with a newborn uh, flying into the dream of my life. And everybody in Europe uh, told me, um, and people from his company said, you know, you stay at home first, settle in with your baby. We're going to get you over there in three months, four months. Don't worry. But honestly, I told them, I have been waiting for that plane since I'm five. I'm going to be on that plane. And I never looked back and I never regretted that step. And here I am. That is so great. And it's it's a fascinating, uh, really a fascinating story. And it reminds me of a couple of things here because I've had a very similar, uh, I would say, uh, journey because there was a dream I had as a child or more like when I was a teenager to come to the United States. And uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, there were a few uh, uh, challenges that I had to go through, like, uh, you know, I had to clear clear this, uh, the GRE and the GMAT and all that and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and you know, all the visa process. But finally, uh, when I arrived, it was like actually, uh, you know, a dream come true that I've always had. Uh, but the other thing that you just shared and which is very interesting and that is, you know, sometimes in life, you know, we have this dream that we've been chasing all these years and oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, the more you chase it, the more it gets away from you. And then mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to just take a step back and let it go and it comes right back at you in its own uh, magical way. And it exactly. seemed like seemed like it that's what happened to you. Uh, mm-hmm. So so the question I have for you is in that regard, uh, have you like noticed like looking back at your life and looking back at this journey that you've been on, like what have you learned about setting goals and being passionate about goals and chasing goals and knowing when to like let it go? And uh, what's what's your take on that? Uh, I know this is like a broad question, but what mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. have you kind of like noticed about this kind of an approach to life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well. You know, I'm convinced that everything happens for a reason. And even if something happens right now to you that doesn't make any sense, I promise you and I try to promise myself every time that one day you're going to find out why that happens. Uh, I continue the story with another detail that will show you my point. I was then on that plane, right? It was a flight overnight from Düsseldorf to New York, flying into the dream of my life. And it was the first time uh, that I ever had the chance to watch American TV. And I was so excited. <laughs> Everybody else was, I was, was either sleeping or was watching some movies, you know, some cinema movies. But I wanted to watch real life TV. So I sit on that plane with my nine-day-old newborn and switch uh, through the TV channels. And all of a sudden, that weird guy shows up. He wears a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and jeans. And he walks into the C-suite of America uh, with his rough and tough voice and shows his audience how C-suite offices or C-suite members think and act. And I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. I have a corporate background, so I'm going to watch that TV show. And um, long story short, that gentleman, that weird guy that I just described is Jeffrey Hayslet, the speaker many of you might know. And I was sitting there and watching every single episode just for an educational purpose. So <laughs> now, years later, Jeffrey has become one of my greatest friends and, and mentors and supporters. 
is very involved in NSA. NSA, the National Speakers Association, has become such a big part of my life. He was the first speaker at the first event I ever went to. He wrote the foreword for my book. So even if that was just a tiny moment in my life, sitting on that plane, watching a TV show, I had no idea what impact it's going to have that two years later I'm going to walk into a room where that gentleman is and I'm going to approach him and I ask him if he would write the foreword for my book. And the first thing that came out of his mouth was, are you a member of NSA, yes or no? So he, he was the first one where I experienced that spirit of Kevin that we very often talk about within NSA and the National Speakers Association. So I promise you, whatever happens right now to you, bad or good, even if it seems to be just a moment in your life, it will make sense one day. One day you're going to look back and go, ah, this is why it happened. Uh, it's such a good point. And, uh, you know, oftentimes the wisdom comes when we look back and reflect back on some of the events. And that brings up another point question for me and that is when you look at your life in its totality up until this point what would you say uh, was a breakthrough success moment for you in terms of like you know your career or uh, life or career defining moment that you know you reach a point where well life is never the same again moment and obviously one of them was coming to the United States and a whole new life and a whole mm-hmm. new career but was there another moment that you can recall when you know there was this career success that you know it was going one way before and and then suddenly it just took off to a whole nother level can you recall a success moment like that for you mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna recall a, um, a moment later in my career when I become or became a speaker because that's probably most interesting for you and your guests. So at the very beginning when I then was here in the United States and thought, okay, now my, my daughter was one year old, I can go back to business and start my career and now my professional life here in the United States. I founded a company called uh, Success Development Group. And the first thing I, of course, worked on was the logo and the design of the website. Well, I had basically no idea what I'm going to do, but most important, I had a logo on the website as a URL. And if you haven't noticed, Success Development Group has the same initials like my name, SDG. So I was very proud of that. Oh, nice. Don't worry, nobody, <laughs> nobody else, nobody else noticed either because basically I had no idea what I'm doing. Plus, I had the issue that I offered everything to everybody. Do you want me to be your image consultant? I'm going to be your image consultant. Do you want me to be your wardrobe consultant? That's fine to me. Do you want me to be your personal shopper? I'm going to do that. Are you old? Are you young? Are you plus size? Are you petite? Are you man? Are you woman? Do you want me to speak? Do you want me to train? Do you want me to coach? Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do as long as you're willing to give me money in exchange. Mm. So I just tried to offer everything to everybody and I did that for two years and obviously I was very unsuccessful with that model and it was a major turning point in my business and I have learned all those things from our great colleagues at again NSA the National Speakers Association that helped me sharpen my purpose better and being saying no to many things in order to be able to say yes to the right things. So then I stepped back and said, what am I really good at? I'm really good in corporate environment. I know executives. I have worked for them for 20 years. I know 
their challenges. I know how they live. I know how they work. I know what they eat, how they breathe, what they say, how they look. I know them best. So why do I just not say no to all the other requests and focus on working with leaders in organizations only and commit to that? And then was the major turning point in my business. The more clear I was about the problems I can solve, the bigger my success. No, that is a really, really a good point, especially uh, in it doesn't matter if you're a professional or in, uh, or a business owner. It's so important to know who your ideal customer is, ideal client is, and, and setting boundaries early on to know, uh, you know, what will you accept and what will you say no to. And it seems like that's what you did. And uh, what an, what an amazing uh, turning point there. So, so let's, uh, let's kind of like walk through that. Uh, journey. So you come to the United States and then uh, you have a daughter now uh, who's almost Mm -hmm. a year old. You start your company, which is a success uh, development group. And then... uh, and then you, you know, you're basically uh, an image consultant for everybody. And then, uh, after having joined NSA and things like that, you get this, uh, reflective moment where you take a step back and say, what am I really good at? What kind of audience have I, uh, served in my past career? And then you kind of zero in with a focus on a specific market segment. And that really started, uh, your success career. Uh, so what happens next? What, what do you do after, what did you do uh, after having the business, you know, retooled and refocused? Did you end up becoming mm-hmm. a speaker right away or what did you have to do? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, then I entered a process where I had to learn my craft. My, I had to realize that, you know, there is that part that you always bring to a business as a business owner based on your experience on the last 20 years, but I'm convinced that, that that's important, but that is not enough. So I went back to school, right? I, I learned as much as possible in different areas, starting from the craft of being on stage or business, you know, business topics, social media, digital marketing, all those things that you now be, need. Because out of a sudden, I mean, I was 20 years in corporate, out of a sudden, I was my own. CEO, my own CFO, my own CMO, I was my C of everything, right? Hmm. So that was quite new for me. And so I went back to school and uh, learned as much as possible. My business has shaped while in the very beginning, I did a lot of one-on-one coaching with, with clients and helped them improve their image and the way they are perceived. Now that has become the smallest part in the meantime and the biggest part has become uh, the speaking business and my online business. So most of my business actually runs online. I own an online course called How You Impress, which is a five-week course where you can work on your first impression with my help. And then the second part, the biggest is the Studio for Image Professionals, where I have a very interesting story and hopefully an uh, inspiration for you. I founded an online academy together with my biggest competitor on the market. So we teamed up in order to uh, teach and train other image consultants to do what we do. Oh wow! So that's that's great. So so basically, uh, you partnered up with one of your competitors to really uh, teach and uh, share one of your uh, mm-hmm. expertise, mm-hmm. essentially. And that's yeah. that's uh, that's a very uh, creative way of expanding on your business uh, uh, 
growth there. No, that's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. So let me uh, so let me ask you this, and that is like, so you came to the U.S. and you have this incredible journey now, and you got a business going. Who are your mentors? Growing up, uh, whom did you look up to like while back in France and then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, coming to the United States? Anybody that comes to mind that played a significant uh, role in your life, your career? Anybody you want to give a shout out to? Mm. Uh, very clear answer. Um, my brother, whom I just mentioned at the very beginning, who has always been my role model in everything that he, he does. Uh, he has been kind of my father, my brother, my best friend, my uh, my mentor, my role model, and I'm very lucky to have him in my life. It's a very similar journey. I remember the other way around, him being at home when I was tiny, and he always had airplanes, airplanes everywhere, right? Airplanes hanging down from the ceiling, airplanes uh, on the wall, uh, pictures of airplanes, books of airplanes. He was always dreaming of becoming a pilot, but neither did the financial situation of my parents allow that, nor was he very well, very good at school. And so he broke that path that usually pilots go through and took his own path and uh, worked very hard over the years to make sure that this dream comes true. And now, 30 years later, he is the pilot of a private jet company um, in Saudi Arabia, flying one of the king families. So he kind of made it to the top um, of, of all opportunities that you have in that profession. And so uh, on many levels, the way he, he raised his kids, the way he created his own career path, the way he just interacts in life, he has always been a great role model for me. Oh, that's really inspiring. And it seems like, uh, you know, it's, it must be like a part of your family values to have that incredible grit. You know, they talk about mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. never giving up on your goals and like having mm-hmm. big goals and big dreams and going after it. And it seems like uh, both you and your sibling, your brother, uh, yeah. you know, are a testament to that kind of uh, amazing uh, journey there. So, uh, so uh, the other question I have for you, uh, Sylvie, now that you've come to the United States and, you know, you've got a successful career, you're part of NSA. So what are your favorite hobbies and interests? Any American sports you picked up along the way? or <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not typically American sports, but a, also not typically a New York City sport, but a sport that is easy to do here in New York City. I have a very uncommon hobby. I'm one of those few people, you always wondered probably why are they doing that, but I'm one of those few people who run buildings. So I run the stairwells of uh, buildings here in New York City. Uh, and I run races, and uh, I'm part of races in one of the most beautiful buildings that we have here, like the One World Trade Center, which I ran two times, the Empire State Building, the Rockefeller Center, and I live in one of the highest residential towers in New York City. That's where I work out. So around three to four times per week, you find me here in the stairwells running up 76 floors twice. And yeah, that's what I do. Wow. That's, uh, that's uh, really uh, fascinating. Uh, the other thing is, now that you've moved from Europe to the U.S. and obviously you've traveled to a lot of different places, any particular place, your favorite place to travel over the years? Um, well, I have 
plenty of options here in the United States, and that's my favorite place to travel. I want to see every single uh, state in this country because coming from Europe, I think Americans are often not aware how much they actually have in their own country. I feel like when I when I drive here from New York to New Jersey, like I'm already in a different country, right? If I fly from New York to somewhere on the West Coast, it's a totally different experience and culture there. So I have many favorite places, but most of them are here in the United States. And uh, as long, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm coming from the south of France, as long there is, for example, a beach, the ocean, and wine and fish close by, I'm, I'm a very, very happy traveler. <laughs> no, I know exactly uh, uh, what you mean. I was in, uh, yeah, actually, I visited south of France, and then I was in Spain last summer, and it was such oh. an incredible journey, and it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I was on a yoga retreat, actually, over there, and nice. it was uh, fantastic. Um, so... The other question I have for you is, uh, and this is more of looking at the life as a whole, what would you say is your definition of a successful life or a good life in your own words? A good life. A good life, I think, includes that every single day you wake up happy. I find that to be a very, very important rule to live by, that no matter what happened the last day or no, no matter what happened at night, very often I, you know, I, I use the night to rethink specific things and they pop up in, in, in my mind. But no matter what happens, I always want to wake up happy. It's also something that I teach my children. So when we go to bed at night, we have, we have a routine with both of my children. I have two in the meantime. Um, then I always ask uh, ask them specific questions, and uh, one of them or the last question is, and how are you going to wake up tomorrow? And this is happy because I want them to remind they have it's better to wake up happy in the morning. I like that. That's such a powerful message. Uh, so we're going to switch gears here, uh, Sylvia, and we're going to get into uh, some of the questions we've received from the audience, and uh, and this mm-hmm. pertains to your expertise and. And you're the author of the book, The Image of Leadership. So the question that I have for you is, and I want to start with first impressions. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. so important because we don't realize how others see us. And we only get one chance to make an impression. You know, business deals can be made or broken. You know, first dates become second dates or not. You know, friendships are created or fail to form. Everything hinges on that important initial encounter. So talk to us about first impressions and how do we how can somebody make a great first impression what are some tips can you give us uh, that can help the audience mm-hmm. so the first thing you have to understand is that first impressions is nothing that you and i just made up they, they exist and there is science in behind so there is proof there are different studies and all come to the same results that first impressions are created in a blink of an eye um, it might be either in seven seconds, in seven milliseconds, in three seconds, in ten seconds. It really doesn't matter how many seconds. What matters more is actually the brain performance that is happening. And that tells us that up to 11 decisions are made in those milliseconds. So people immediately decide if you are successful or not, knowledgeable or not, trustworthy or not, reliable or not. 
They think about your political opinions. They think about your religious background. So up to 11 decisions that they make in that blink of an eye. And then afterwards, unfortunately, or fortunately, a lot of unconscious bias is working either against you or for you. Because people want to be right. Huh? So, for example, confirmation bias makes sure that afterwards they find proof for everything that they saw in those first seconds by ignoring everything else that goes against their initial first opinion. So, for example, you you go on stage and for any reason they see something sloppy in your appearance. Unfortunately, afterwards, they're going to find that sloppiness in your behavior and the words that you say and the materials that you show because their brain wants to find it, right? They, they, they look proactively for it by ignoring everything that you do that actually would speak against being a sloppy person. So you have to be aware that first impression happens. That is just fact. But afterwards, the powerful sources that are working for you or against you are actually more important because that's the part that you can actually then influence and shape in a way that you would like it to be. No, that is such a wonderful point, and I think a very, very important point. And what I'm hearing you say is that there is like a significant uh, scientific uh, research behind this is that mm -hmm. uh, it's, there is the first impression that happens. But what's even more important is once the first impression is uh, done or had, if you will, there is the confirmation bias that goes with it, that people look for evidence to support mm -hmm. their first impressions. Mm -hmm. And that gives you a platform or if a space where you can actually influence uh, mm -hmm. your audience uh, based on what was just created in there, those first mm -hmm. uh, few seconds. Exactly. So talk to us more about what are some best tips that you can give us? Uh, you know, you've written a book on this, but if you had to sum it up and give us the essence of first impressions, mm -hmm. there are a few things that people can kind of keep in mind when they are going up on stage or giving a presentation or having an important client meeting. What advice would you give, like three tips or four tips or five tips, anything that comes to mind? Mm -hmm. Well, first, I need you to understand that your first impression is created on four different factors, which I call the ABCD. The A includes your appearance, the way you look. Like it or not, people are visual creatures. They just look at you, right? Everything that includes your visual image, like your body image, your clothing, your accessories, your hair, your makeup, the way you look. But looking good is not enough. Um, they also look at your behavior, B for behavior, your attitude, your body language, your business etiquette, skills, how you interact with them. And then there is the C for communication, what you say and how you say it. Uh, at the, the very beginning, in particular, of conversations. And I added the D for the digital footprint because you have to be aware that nowadays, most often, you don't make a first impression anymore in person. You make it in a digital way. We send out emails, we are on social media, we have websites. So we know that in average, every single day, you have around 3,000 contact points. 3,000 contact points every single day Chances are high that you get judged 3,000 times. However, around 90 to 95% of those 3,000 contact points are actually in a digital way and not in person anymore. So those are the four elements that play into your first impression and the way 
people perceive you. And so here are my tips, are my tips for you. Really successful speakers, they appear, behave, and communicate like successful speakers long before they actually are successful. To give you an example, the president of any state, or might it be the United States, the president of any country, right, has been identified as a potential president not a few months before he or she ran on a campaign. Probably they have been identified as a potential presidential material 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So for you as a speaker, that means if you want to be, let's say, a $10,000 speaker, right? Your fee is $10,000. Let's, let's nail it down on the fee. Then you have to appear, behave, and communicate online and offline in a way like a $10,000 speaker already today, even if you are just a $2,000 speaker at the moment, right? Mm. So you have to start to create your image long you have to take the end goal first or the next big step and then already appear, behave, and communicate like this one. The uh, second tip, yeah, or, yeah. You no, know no, go ahead. Yes, no, that's great. No, that's awesome. The second, really successful leaders or really successful speakers in our industry and leaders in general, they appear, behave, and communicate confident. Confidence is your best designer, no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter your experience, no matter your cultural background, no matter the accent you have to handle, like you and I, for example, if you don't feel confident about yourself and the things that you do, others won't feel the same way, right? And they immediately notice that if you don't feel great about yourself. The third one, you have to appear, behave, and communicate authentic. You are who you are, and that is just great the way you are. So if your thing, for example, is to wear sneakers on stage, then go for it. As long as it's, con as it's consistent and those are great sneakers and they don't distract from your message, it doesn't mean that every single speaker has to wear a suit on stage, for example. There are many speakers out there that are very, very, very successful with their own style, but they earned it over the years and they are very consistent in it and it doesn't only have something to do with their appearance usually they combine it with, with their communication with their behavior it's, it's a package right it's an entire package i also believe that successful speakers have to appear behave and communicate professional 24 7. we are role models to many we have the microphone so if we don't act professional, how can we expect audience members and our clients to interact with us professional? So now professional might look very different from industry to industry, depending on the stages we are on, but there is a red thread of professional that we all have to commit to. And last but not least, I think respect plays a major role. Successful speakers in our industry, they appear and behave and communicate respectful. First and foremost, to themselves, because you are the most important person in your life. You. It's not your spouse. It's not your children. It's not your parent. It's not your friend. It's not your client. You. You are the most important person in your life. So you have to show yourself some respect and invest into yourself, for example, because, again, you are the most important person in your life. But also respect to others the audiences you speak to, the clients who hire you. I mean, if you think it's so, 
somebody gives us quite a big amount of money for having fun on stage. And if you don't have fun on stage, it might not be the, the right profession you are in. But every single time we go on stage, it, it is a highlight for us, and it's actually a very short amount of time. Now you might say, well, uh, they also pay me for the 20 years of experience that I have and I bring to the table. Yeah, that, that is true. But still, there are doctors out there. There are other professions out there who have physical work, who also bring in 20 years of experience the same way we do and who have a much, who have a much harder job than we do. So respectful and grateful and an attitude of gratitude is very important in my opinion. Well, that's uh, really, really awesome. You gave us a lot of golden nuggets, and I just want to kind of quickly recap. I mean, so basically the first impressions is not just a couple of things here. I mean, that, this is like the ABCD of really making a lasting impact. And it starts with appearance, your behavior, your communication, and the importance of digital footprint as to uh, how the branding happens even before you show up. And then the second thing that you talked about was confidence, because that is such a critical key. As you said, uh, you know, if you're not confident, people can kind of, you can lose your audiences right away. And finally, uh, the third one, this being authentic. And it's not just being uh, who you truly are, but being consistent with who you truly are all the time. And that's something that's really a very, very important point there. And finally, being the professional uh, we are role models for the community, so we have to show up as a professional. And finally, mm-hmm. uh, the respect and uh, being grateful uh, for having the right attitude can serve us well in this uh, this profession. So that's is that a good recap and a summary? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You you t- could do my keynote. So if <laughs> I find a reason, um, have have an, urge, uh, an emergency and cannot go and stay, I'm going to call you. <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, and thank you for that. And then uh, the other question that comes up is, uh, you know, what you're well known for, Sylvie, is that people packaging. That is something that's mm-hmm. your brand. That is something that people are, you know, when they think of you, it's like, you know, people have these brand uh, and and an associated uh, message with that. And for you, it seems like people packaging is what you do. So my question to you is, uh, can you, Talk to us about having worked with a client and what was it like before and what was it like after. Then how do you go about identifying that person's style, their authenticity, their, you know, what is their essence and how do you bring that out? Any, uh, mm-hmm. can, can you give us an example? Mm-hmm. Well, all my clients and in the meantime, all my audiences in a lighter version have to go through a three-step process. The first step, and I invite you to do it with me right now if you're on the other uh, end listening to that uh, show. The first step is, very often people ask me, so uh, how is my first impression? Tell me, tell me, how am I doing, right? Because they think I have the knowledge and the science uh, uh, in behind that I can tell them exactly what it is and if they are doing a good job. And I tell them, well, I actually don't know because I don't know what you want it to be. Before I can tell you how good you are with your first impression, you have to tell me what it should actually be. So I challenge you. Tell me this one word, one word only. What is that one word that should pop up in everybody's mind when they think of you? No matter if it's your client, no matter if it's your neighbor, your spouse, somebody in the audience, whoever it is, what is that one word you want to be known for? 
and I invite everybody to write down that one word. And the reality is that most of you right now probably lied to themselves, and that's okay, that's a process I'm used to, because very often we tend to choose high-value words. So many people probably now were told, I want to be known for being trustworthy or reliable or professional or um, approachable or... Uh, you know, very positive words, but the, the reality is that very often if we enter a moment of truth, we know that actually we want our neighbors to think that we are uh, rich, successful, powerful, or whatever it is. So whatever that word is, write it down, but it's the most important one in the process because you have to be authentic, right? You want to be known for that, and every single day now I challenge you with the fact that I want you to look into the mirror and look at your appearance. Do you really see that word in front of you? Look at your behavior. Listen to the words that you say. Look on your digital footprint. Do you really see that? And very often this is the first gap that I have to fill with my clients. But then in the second step, after defining that one word, wouldn't it be interesting to find out if people actually really think about you that way? So if you are... In New York, I would take you through a very painful process. I would take you down to Wall Street around 8 o'clock in the morning. And for the next four hours or so, I'm going to ask hundreds, very often up to 1,200, 1,300 people walking by, what do you think of him? What do you think of him? What do you think of him? Now write down all those words. And then we know if people really see in you what you think that they should see in you. And very often, that is the biggest gap. So since I can't take you down to Wall Street, what I recommend you to do to find out that either you use very structured instruments to find out, like a 360-degree feedback, or you just start listening. Do people use almost the same words to describe you? When you get introduced to others, which words do they use? In the emails, when they forward it and say, this is, and then they use your name and a short introduction. Which words do you, they use here? So listen closely how people describe you. Because there might be a gap between how people actually think about you and that word that you just wrote down. And then there is the third component, what you have to do. Like it or not, your customer, your client, or your employer has an impact on how you should be perceived in the world. And why that? I have a very unromantic answer to you because they usually send you a check or they pay you for what you do. So they have, I mean, it's your decision. If you give them something they want to see in your perception or not, if you fight that war of not willing to adjust a little bit because you work or speak for a very traditional industry, or if you uh, have the capability to say, okay, I'm still going to stay true to myself because my own word was, for example, creative. But tomorrow I'm going to speak to a, a group of attorneys who obviously is very traditional. I'm going to dim down a little bit and still wear a suit, but the suit probably is not a boring suit. It's a very creative one. Or I'm going to add very creative elements. Or I'm going to adjust my language. And while I'm usually full fire funny, I'm going to dim it down a little bit there because I adjust towards the work that my clients want to see in me. So those are the three steps. Usually there are gaps 
to fill. And what I do is I help my clients to fill those gaps. No, that is so great. And uh, and you said you have this uh, five-week course online that people can uh, find mm-hmm. out more about. And we'll include all of that in our show links. And I really like your three-step process. It's like the one word that you want to be known for. I mean, that's such a brilliant mm-hmm. question because oftentimes we struggle with branding and trying to figure it out. And I mean, this is such a great way to have that perspective of what is it that you want people to remember you by or what is that one word that you want to be? And then, and then really finding out is, that even in sync with how people see you and that's like uh, that's that amazing thing that you do uh, with uh, really getting live feedback and then finally uh, you know noticing that and making an impact with adjusting the style and uh, communication and uh, whatever options you may have now that's so great Uh, switching gears now we're going to get into in the interest of time get into the rapid fire round and this is where i'm going to ask you sylvia a bunch of uh, questions and it's the first response that comes to your mind so my are you ready yes i'm ready (laughs) i'm scared i'm scared and ready (laughs) all right so the first question i have for you is what's your favorite music band youtube Oh, I like you too, too. That's great. Mm-hmm. Whose brain would you like to pick? Yours. <laughs> if you could have witnessed one event in history, what would that be? Barack Obama's inauguration. That's great. And then the final question within the lightning round here, and that is, if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? Love yourself today just a little bit more than you did yesterday. Oh, that's great. I like that. And then we're going to get into the final section, which is a wrap-up section. And then I have the final three questions for you. And that is, Sylvie, what is your current personal or business passion project that you're working on? And what are you looking forward to in the next uh, six months to a year from now? So there are uh, two things I'm looking forward to. Currently, I'm working on my next book, uh, which will be published this year. I'm in the final uh, steps of that. It's going to focus on first impressions again, but this time on the first impressions that you leave online, on the digital footprint that you leave behind and how people perceive you based on that conscious or unconscious digital footprint. And I'm very excited about that book because it's one of the books where I actually think people really need it because it's such a, it has become such a big part of our life to uh, interact online and a lot of people are either lost or scared or have no idea what they are actually doing and what impact it has on the way people perceive them. And the second one, I mean, you might have noticed that I'm very involved in NSA, in the National Speakers Association. That's my, my, my home base, my professional home base. And I have the honor to serve as the president of the New York City chapter. So this is an invitation for you if you are a speaker and if you are ever in or around New York City, make sure to reach out to me. We would love to have you as our guest at one of our chapter meetings. And I'm really looking forward to that role because if I have learned one thing uh, from NSA, it's it's already amazing to just be a member of it and be connected. But the growth I have gone through by Actually becoming involved and volunteering and be part of the chapter and conferences, I I wouldn't have learned what I have learned without them. 
Uh, it's such a great thing. And then we'll include all of uh, Sylvie's uh, links on our uh, show notes so that people can have access to information on the book, mm-hmm. the course, and all that. Uh, the other question I have for you is, what are three things you're grateful for in life? Um, I am most and yeah, most first and foremost grateful for my children. I never wanted to be a mom. I never had that on my radar. It was never one of my goals, and uh, it happened. And I am so grateful that it happened uh, because they have taught me so much, and they are my my biggest supporters, my greatest fans, my best friends. And I hope that I'm a great role model to them. So I'm most grateful for them. I am grateful for the United States and for allowing me to live my dream here. And finally, after a long journey to different cultures and countries in Germany, uh, finding that I have a home base. So I feel at home for the first time in my life. And I'm so grateful for the many opportunities this country has offered me and the third uh, thing and that might sound weird i am grateful for myself you know i i i really live by that fact that i know that i'm the most important person um in my life so i'm grateful for knowing that and appreciating that and constantly trying to take care of myself otherwise i have a very busy life as a mom as a speaker as a wife as a friend, as a daughter, as all the roles and jobs that we have nowadays. That's so great. And I want to acknowledge you, uh, Sylvie, for a couple of things here. One is, uh, you know, what an authentic uh, message that you are, you've taken a stand for, for in life, because what you do is much, much, much beyond first impressions. You're enabling people to become the highest version of themselves, uh, even mm-hmm. before they think they're ready. And I think that's that's your greatest gift that you're offering to the world. And and then, uh, you know, your successes along the way, dreaming big, going after your dreams, and then, and then importantly, showing us that loving yourself is so critical because that's really the engine behind everything that we do. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you for being who you are, Zoe. Thank you very much for having me. And one final question, and that is, uh, why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Well, because the biggest wisdom I have ever received was almost from friends. I mean, who else gives you great wisdom other than your friends? Great. I like that. Thank you so much again, Sylvie, for your uh, time and uh, candid answers. I really appreciated the conversation for everybody listening. With that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Rass. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank Thank you. you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.